Welcome to the Pilgrim Stories podcast, where we talk about Bible theology and inspiring stories of people. How are you all doing? Welcome to another episode of the Pilgrim Stories podcast. Um, my name is Caesar, and uh, first of all, I just want to thank you all. Um, whether you're heading to work or about to go to bed, um, just woke up and uh, doing your household chores. Um, thank you, thank you so much for listening. Um, today is a Saturday, and uh, my summer vacation has started. And uh, before I uh, start this episode, I just want to um, uh, let you all know that this podcast has been granted um, to be listened on. Um, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, and I'm available on uh, Budsprout.com or uh, Anchor FM. Um, to start off things, um, this episode is about our God-given gift. Um, these past few days, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts because my drive to work would always take about 50 minutes to an hour. Um, at first, I didn't like it, and whenever I arrived at work, I would be really sleepy. However, um, I'm uh, thankful to it uh, at the same time because uh, it has given me the chance to click that podcast and listen, in, listen to podcasts, um, one of which is uh, John Piper's podcast um, called Ask Pastor John. And uh, he once uh, had uh, did a podcast titled Seven Lessons for Productivity. If you have time, I, re- I highly recommend that podcast. It was really encouraging. Um, and so this podcast was talking about us being creators and being productive. I like to take photos and create videos, but um, lately, I've noticed that they have become more of a task rather than doing them in joy, especially as I start this um, podcast and video podcast, if you're watching on YouTube right now, I have been uh, contemplating as to how this would move forward without putting too much stress on my part and doing it in a sustaining manner serving Christ. After I had listened to John Piper's podcast, it made me realize where the nature of this proclivity to create and make come from and why do we have it. And I thought that if they are inordinate, it it can cause me to become less motivated and stressed. Piper said, as human beings, we are destined to be a maker. He shared a quote by Dorothy Sayers in her book, The Mind of a Maker. God is the great creator and maker, and he created humans as secondary creators. God put man in the garden to cultivate and make it. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship, excuse me, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Piper said that all doing is making than making something than it was. We are creators and makers in some sense. Every time we act, we are making something into something else. Like he said, like he gave one example of creating a chair from wood, and I kind of like thought of other examples too, like make coffee beans to to coffee, to delicious coffee in the morning, and to a coffee business. I mentioned coffee business because one of my friends, Seth, um, started a, a small business in in one of the mountains um, here in Japan. So Seth, if you're listening right now, I pray for uh, your uh, small business and that and that God would use it for um, His glory um, and also to attract uh, people as well in your area. 
um, a beautiful view to a beautiful wallpaper, a room into a home, a stick to a spear, selling things online, words to book or stories or ingredients to warm meal for the family. We are born creators. It was an aha moment for me when I was driving, listening to the podcast, and, and it has helped me to understand why we desire to create and make and why they are a part of our human nature and that these things can be done in love serving. Then I asked myself, how can we naturally work and produce with consistency in such a way that we don't lose delight doing it? How can we channel this nature to create and use our God-given skills to glorify His name, spreading the gospel and serving Him in our community? I remember a sermon given by one of our Japanese brothers in the church, and he shared a passage in 2 Corinthians 5.10 that deeply stood up to me. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether it's good or evil. And when I read that, I thought it was pertaining to our final destination or salvation, that we will be forever judged if we have done any sin in our Christian walk. The preacher that Sunday wasn't teaching about salvation by works, but me coming from a legalistic type of church, whenever I hear such passages, I would be more likely it would be more be it would be more likely to be interpreted instilling fear in the heart of the listeners and command submission to the so-called man and woman of God. Um, a quote by someone saying, "In fear, we are more uptight trying to avoid hell, and keep ourselves." Uh, saved by doing works rather than celebrating because we are heading to heaven. It was so encouraging remembering that because if our identity is based on His grace and love that are unchanging, our response would be serving God in gratitude rather than in fear. In love and respect, I still love and respect um, the, the leaders in my previous church, but my soteriology before or doctrine of salvation would be somehow based on my life's performance rather than Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. Ephesians 1 7 also says, In him we have received th uh, redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the riches of his grace. The term used here is paying the required ransom to God for the release of a person from bondage. Christ's sacrificial uh, sacrifice on the cross paid the price for every elect person enslaved by sin, buying them out of the slave market of iniquity or sin. I had peace to be once again reminded that we are forever saved in Christ. I guess in daily contemplation of the hope that our sins, whether they're past, present, and future, sins will be forgiven and that our arrival to heaven is secured would cause us to rejoice in obedience to Christ. A quote by someone says, I actually made a wallpaper um, uh, with this quote on it. Um, it says, We persevere or we follow Christ because Jesus has made our arrival to heaven certain and our destination secured. Sin still exists, and we are still in our sinful body. However, though this life is imperfect, God's sanctification or separating us from sin is a lifelong process until He returns. Rest assured that through one sacrifice, Christ's death, in Christ's death, we have already been made perfect forever. That is in Hebrews 10.14. For by a single offering, He has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Going back to the story, um, listening to the sermon, I was sitting in the pews and asked myself, 
if Second Corinthians 5.10 talks about our salvation, then it would contradict to what other passages are saying, particularly in Ephesians 1, 1, 4, 5, is saying, it says, He chose us when? Before the foundations of the world, before we were even born, that we should be holy, should be that, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Us being chosen for salvation and adoption to him has already been done even before the foundation of this world. The Bible doesn't contradict itself, and I try to understand that and ask myself, what does that Second Corinthians 5.10 mean? But I couldn't. And I read a commentary by John MacArthur on this. I quote, This describes the believer's deepest motivation and highest aim in pleasing God. The realization that every Christian is inevitably and ultimately accountable to him. The judgment seat of Christ metaphorically refers to the place where the Lord will seat and evaluate believers' lives for the purpose of giving them eternal rewards. It is translated from the Greek word bima, which was an elevated platform, platform where victorious athletes, for example, during the Olympics, went to receive their crowns. The term is also used in the New Testament to refer to the place of judging, as when Jesus stood before Pontius Pilate, but here the reference is definitely from the athletics analogy. Corinth has such a platform where both athletic rewards and legal justice were dispensed, so the Corinthians understood Paul's reference. These in the body, actions which happened during the believer's time of earthly mirthly, does not include sins. Their judgment took place at the cross. What's amazing about the Word of God when we dig, Piper also said that the Word of God is like a, a, um, a mine. When you dig, you will get gold and diamonds and everything. And um, I remember a passage in Revelations 4.10 um, that, that gave us a clear example of what the elders did in heaven. They fell down uh, before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. What's amazing about this passage is what they did uh, with their gifts or the crowns that they have is instead of keeping them, which would normally we would think about uh, when we get to heaven, but what they did instead of just holding it, I guess, um, forever in heaven, they cast it before the throne and saying, Worthy are you, Lord our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created things and by your will they existed and were created. I looked for that passage and tried to reread that again and I got a little excited telling myself that I would want to at least have something to offer at the feet of my Savior. I contemplated on my life and asked myself, what would my rewards be <laughs> given how I have lived my life? Will my rewards be smaller than those who have truly served and followed Christ? I guess this question uh, rooted from, I guess, my sin of pride. But John Piper also addressed this in, in, in his other podcast saying, I'm just paraphrasing, that in heaven, there will be no more tears, pain, sorrows, and even sin. Thus, when we get to heaven, there will be no sense of pride nor feeling superiority towards those who have better rewards than us. I ask myself, what do I have to offer in this life? Um, that because there are little things that I can do. I would sometimes think that I have to be a pastor or go to remote places for me to be to truly say that I'm truly serving.
I continue to read uh, MacArthur's commentary, and he says, Paul was referring to all those activities believers do during their lifetime, which relates to their eternal rewards and praise from God. What Christians do with their temporal bodies will, in his eyes, have an impact for eternity, whether good or bad. These Greek terms do not refer to moral or uh, moral e- or moral good nor moral evil. Matters of sin have completely dealt with by the death of the Savior. I'm just reading um, his commentary. Rather, Paul was comparing worthwhile eternity, uh, eternity, uh, worthwhile eternity valuable activities with useless ones. His point was not that believers should now enjoy certain wholesome earthly things, but that they should glorify God. Um, in spending their energy and time with what has eternal value. This has also made me decide to take a lifelong journey, um, I guess finishing uh, a degree in biblical studies, and I thought to myself that since I spend most of my time and energy taking photos and creating videos, how can I use this God-given gifts and skills for His glory? After the encouragement that my best friend has given me when I was down and depressed after my recent engagement breakup, it made a lot of sense that I could somehow maybe use... um, uh, photography by sharing people's life stories online and I guess encourage um, the the viewers in my small ways or um, maybe sharing photos with um, Bible verses on it on it or um, even a podcast like this in spreading the gospel. I remember a quote by John Piper um, he said, "The aim of every act is to make Christ look glorious, whatever that act is. Don MacArthur also said that in evangelism it is in many forms. It can be evangelism for uh, in uh, cooking, uh, cooking for the church, fixing the pews, playing the instruments, and even friendship evangelism, which I've never, which uh, of of which the term I've never heard before, and even being a father and a husband is also a type of ministry. A message by Jeff Durbin, Dur- a Christian apologist, once said that the calling of a mother is one of the greatest ministry in the world because their job is no joke. Waking up in the morning, taking care of their kids, making sure that the house is clean, organizing the bills, taking care of screaming kids here and there, um, and their undying love for them as they prepare to arrow them into the real world are forms of service. Sometimes motherhood is underappreciated and unmentioned when we talk about ministry. So I thank all the mothers out there if you're listening right now. Thank you for your unwavering and undying love for us in taking care of us. I guess just to end this podcast, um, I'd like to ask, um, what is your God-given gifts? Um, whether you are writing or whether you, um, you're good at friendship or you're good at music or good whether they're, they're big and small, um, they are where they are for a purpose. The way, uh, same goes that for us being here on this earth, we are here and we are put here for a reason. I guess the assurance of heaven and the joy it brings is what sustains us as we spend our energy and time on things that has eternal value. This sustaining joy is rooted from the gospel and the eternal hope it brings. The gospel is that God loves you, my friend. God loves you, you and me. And But by nature, we are all separated from him. That is in Romans 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God is holy. And but we are human and don't measure to his perfect standard. We are sinful and the wages of sin is death. A holy and just God whose standards are perfect requires a perfect sacrifice. No one could satisfy it. No one can satisfy it. No one could do it, but only him. He came down from heaven, took off his robe, and lived the life that we failed to live. He, bring, he bridges the gap of separation between us and him. 
He bore our sins in his body on the cross and paid the heavy penalty for our sins. He died the death that we deserve to die and rose from the dead on the third day. And by putting our trust, if you put your trust on his sacrifice, my friend, he promises that your, your destination of heaven is secured and that the delight that this amazing grace brings is what causes us to look up and long for heaven as we serve. Thank you all for listening. And once again, this is your friend Caesar, and this is the Pilgrim Stories Podcast.